What's up, guys? Today, we're covering a lot of things. Skateboarding, college football, boxing, MMA, even podcasting. Get ready, because my buddy Tim Meyer is joining the show today, today on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Game Time Guru. As you know, I'm your host, Shane Larson, coming at you today with a guest of mine. Like I said in the introduction, his name is Tim Meyer. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, a, a lot of stuff, um, covering skateboarding, you know, college football experience, boxing, MMA, maybe even some supplement talk, talking about some podcasts. We've got a lot to cover today. So I'm excited to talk about this. Before we get started, though, make sure you go over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, follow me on all my social media outlets. You guys know where it's at. The Game Time Guru on Facebook, at Game Time Guru on Instagram, and the Game Time Guru on Twitter. So just go follow me on all my social media platforms. If you could, please leave me a review on iTunes. It really helps me out. But uh, like I said, I got Tim Meyer in the house. Tim, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I Dude, appreciate for it. sure. And we're in this like legit yeah. sound studio today here in our local city of Meridian, Idaho. Yeah. And uh, what do you think of it so far? taxpayer funded um i love it it's really cool i i'm impressed seriously this Dude, is a bank vault right it's a bank vault it's a bank vault so and you know it's i mean ain't nobody gonna come in here and attack us and exactly dude we're having a good time in here yeah. it's like completely soundproof and yeah we were sitting here for quite a bit uh, before we started the show just talking about this for a second like it's it's really nice yeah. it's a really well put together studio and it's free um so anybody who has a library card and wants to come down and do a podcast yeah, uh, that's uh, that's all you. You can do that. Exactly, yeah. dude. I'm digging it. It's called Unbound here in Meridian, Idaho, so check it out. Yeah. Um, so, Tim, we're going to talk about a few things. Like I said, I want to start with, like, the beginning of your sports days probably because um, you've, you've pretty much participated in every sport, uh, and yeah. we're talking about extreme sports too. And I've seen a couple of videos from you back in the day that's been posted on Facebook about yeah. your skateboarding days. Yeah. I want you to talk about that for a second, the extreme sports like skateboarding. What got you into skateboarding? When did you start? What got you to stop? What, like, what was that whole phase? I well, um, I I wouldn't even consider it a phase. I think I'm a skateboarder at heart. I think it's okay. just like that's just who I am. Um, but uh, I had some neighbors move in when I was like 11, 12 years old. I was like sixth grade, going to seventh grade, and these kids had like Veriflex skateboards, you know, like twenty dollar yeah. boards from Shopco, <laughs> and they're out there doing ollies and kickflips, and uh, and I was like, oh man, I want to try that. So I started skating, and uh, and a lot of the friends that I started to make going forward, they all had an interest in skateboarding and, and whatnot just because it was going into junior high and it was kind of like the cool thing to do. Right. So um, that's kind of my foray into skateboarding. And then uh, it just turned out that it was something that I, I was good at and I enjoyed and uh, it got me out of the house. And so uh, my parents hated it. They sat oh, me bet. down when I was like 12, 13 and they're like, we don't want you to be a skateboarder. And they gave me the whole, <laughs> the whole, we don't want you to be a bad kid thing. And I shrugged it off and I got on my skateboard and I left. <laughs> Dude, so were they more worried about like the, the whole stigma behind it? Like yeah. the drugs and the, the yeah. bad kids behind it. That's yeah. kind of how my parents were Totally, too. totally. <laughs> totally get it, yeah. man. Um, so just give me a, like, what was your favorite skate park here in Idaho? So for me, I, I grew up at Rhodes basically. I mean, that was Rhodes. like my, yeah, that was my overpass. home. That was my home. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that was before they got lights down. Right. I mean, 
I, my friend got kidnapped down there. Okay. I was with my friend when he got kidnapped down there. Uh, I've seen bum. Um, I've seen a bum stab another bum. I've I've seen some bum fights. Uh, yeah, it's been crazy, man. Um, but yeah, so Rhodes Park before it was like nice. Um, I mean, it was always nice, but before it it is the way it is now. Um, was I'm, I'm trying to think like if I went anywhere else, but I mean, I went to Tully a few times, but now nah, I was like a. I was like a sharky, like down at the uh, at the Rhodes Park. So. Dude, you were the original down at Rhodes, man. Yeah. Like hauling like refrigerators so that we had other things. Like we'd go steal like stuff out of like dumpsters so we could take to the skate park and go hit it. And so your parents were right then. They were totally right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except kidding. that wasn't like no drugs and no graffiti. Like we weren't like vandalized. Well, I guess we were vandalizers. I mean, we'd like rip off curb stop or skate stoppers and yeah well who doesn't sawzall dude? handrails a, dude, got, yeah 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 okay so i was pretty bad now that i think about it I, you just wanted to skate That's yeah i was a kid I, I wanted to have fun exactly so. I, I liked roads um when i was skating back in the day uh totally came out a little bit later but they had yeah. the eagle skate park oh yeah the old like, eagle park yeah it's like way off way like down almost all the way down like past floating feather here yeah. locally and uh, the only thing that was wrong with that one that was really lumpy yeah. like there was a lot of lump the concrete wasn't poured correctly so yeah like roads was good but it was so old and just mm-hmm. the area of town was disgusting so that's funny you did that when totally came out it was amazing but yeah. the fact was it was so busy when it yeah. first got built we i i was there when it opened and I got a skate because I was with the zoomie like the zoo crew back in the day oh, okay the zoomies so yeah when it opened we were part of like the group that got to skate it at like right in the beginning for the like the demo i got a demo skate it oh did you really right when totally yeah and that was probably like one of maybe three or four times i'd ever skated totally because i just I, I lived over closer to roads that was more of my like my hometown crowd um like all my skater buddies there but then like totally was more like a tranny park and yeah like, i got messed up so in a video called id skate i <clears throat> so you know where when you when you come in on the parking lot and there's that quarter pipe that goes down. It's probably like a six foot. Uh-huh. So I was 15 and I was filming for ID Skate. Um, and the guy who's filming is Colin Clark. He Now he travels the world. He, he films for Ride Channel. Um, his job is literally to call professional skateboarders and go skateboarding. That's so That's rad. literally his job. He films. Yeah. So he travels the world and does that. So anyways, this was like his first skate video that he was filming for. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do like the coolest trick ever. So I do a switch front flip over like uh to flat so from top to flat and i caught it late and i landed right inside where um like the invert kind of hit yeah and i fell back and i hit my head and it's all on video and i like try to stand up and like i'm trying to point to the camera and i like fall over um and that was like the last time i skated totally i like knocked myself out dude yeah it was cool it's on film though yeah i'll have to show you i'll have to figure i'll have to find it uh, it's on tape because it's so old. Right, the old stuff. Yeah, man. So, and you went to Capitol High School. Do yeah. you remember a kid by the ch- by the name of Kyler? His name was Kyler, Kyler Wartman. He was a fruit. He leader. was a yeah. He Dude. was a rollerblader. I was just gonna tell you. So when I was at the old Eagle Skate Park, I was gonna. I was, sorry, and I was gonna interrupt you a minute ago. I was I, when I first met him. Actually, I was. Uh, I want to say I was a freshman in high school, and Kyler and I were good friends all through high school. Okay. So yeah, um, and he hung out with what uh, the Eric or something, professional skater. Yes, yeah, um, he had a buddy of his that was really, really like good. world renowned. Yeah, yeah, the guy's legit. He was he was like probably one of the better ones. I I want to say in the scene, like the pro scene back yeah. in the day. But um, 
yeah, the first time I ever met Kyler, he was trying to hit the long handrail on the back of the Old Eagle Road or the Old Eagle Skate Park, the one that goes all the way the down ledge? the backside. No, right it's down. like the handrail. And he was trying to show off, and it's a big handrail, dude. It's like mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Wait, it's like my belly button, and I'm six three, you know. So it's pretty, it's pretty tall. And I remember he he hit this ramp going as fast as he could, and he he was doing some kind of a grind, and he slipped out, and he racked himself. Oh no! And he slid like twenty feet on his nuts, dude. Oh. And I just remember laughing and feeling so bad at the same time. Um, and dude. he, li- he's just laid there, dude. I'd never seen a man in so much pain. And I, I don't even think to this day I've ever seen somebody in so much pain. I've never seen somebody rack themselves so bad. Dude. dude. Yeah. The thing is, is he was such a good skater. He was good. He yeah. was amazing. So like, I loved, like I looked up to him cause I was younger than him, obviously like three yeah. or four years younger. But, um, when like. When I was skating as a fruit bitter, he was like the guy we always wanted to be like. Um, he wasn't yeah. like, that great at handrails, but he was so good at everything else. I he remember, had good style. Dude, he was a very smooth. Smooth. Yeah, flowing, he dude. flowed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, One of the man. only few like rollerbladers I ever kicked it with. But yeah, dude, he was awesome. Yeah, I just yeah, I remember those were some good days. Believe it or not, like I was the third person in history that we know of. I was 15 years old that actually grinded the 21 stair handrail at, at Boise State. It's called the Beast. Dang. Dude, so yeah. Um, Dang. That's huge. <laughs> it was insane. I failed yeah. like six seven times on it like when we were going i was busting up my knees and then i finally made it to the very end i only had two witnesses that were there yeah. and uh i definitely don't think they're listening to this podcast right now because they're <laughs> in some other areas right now one of them yeah. happens to not even uh yeah be out in civilization right now so go figure get, yeah. get himself in trouble but anyways yeah. yeah i had two witnesses there man but i loved skating um did anything from like your skating days like transition like did, did you learn anything there that you could actually apply into your football days like everything. going into high school football what was everything that? dude um er, motor skills my coordination um i i want to even say like my explosiveness because when you're uh-huh. on a skateboard you you've got to pop you've got to like you got to be quick with your feet you know right. and that's translated into not only that but it's translated into all my other like uh, sports uh ventures as well like you know boxing and uh-huh. um, everything else that i've ever done um so yeah i would say most definitely my um you've got to have like a low center of gravity right when you're a skateboarder even as like i was tall you know six two six three yeah. um and i quit skating when i was like pretty much a grown-ass man i was like 21 right. 22 and i really hung it up okay <laughs> so um so i mean for me it was yeah definitely i think the most important thing was uh my center of gravity and probably my motor skills for sure as far as like my hand-eye coordination my foot-eye coordination whatever you want to call it so as long as you don't get yourself into trouble, like yeah. by doing the other stuff that your parents were worried about, yeah. I mean, there is a lot of benefits that come from like the skating world. Totally. You know what I mean? Like it played into your whole, like your whole sports background. Like you said, you went to Capitol High School here locally, um, which has been really well known for their football program. Yeah. Like from back the Jake Plummer days all the way through until now, they're still really good. They've had a few off years here and there. And yeah. I believe your brothers have especially like your younger brother um, played there and broke some records as well and yeah. then ended up going to play college ball. A lot of your brothers are football guys. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about your college football experience. Um, we were just talking earlier before we started the show um, about your college days and some stuff I didn't even know. So just, okay, so you, you ended up playing college at Southern Virginia. So what is Southern Virginia for people who don't even know? Yeah, Southern Virginia University, when I went there, um, Southern Virginia University was an NAI school. Okay. Um, so they're part of um, – that division of athletics and most recently they've uh, converted to division three 
and okay. uh, they're in the well I guess depending on the sports um, because they're split between conferences depending on uh, the athletics so their football program is part of the New Jersey Athletic Conference okay so um, we're talking like Frostburg State um, is in their conference um, trying to think like schools that are top 25 that you'd recognize for D3 Wesley okay. College they're consistently in like the top 25 year in year out for D3 football but that's like it's kind of like the SEC for like D3 football I guess or okay. it was at one time when I was playing Okay. Um, and then uh, yeah so I, it was NAI football so that's what Southern Virginia is it's a small school like 800 students it's tiny so it's literally just a sports school you just okay. go there to play sports it's funny you mention yeah. that because um, I was a basketball player and uh, even when I got home I, I served a mission for my church when I, I re- returned home I, I didn't have any intentions on playing basketball anymore obviously I was kind of like done but like mm-hmm. I was looking through schools that typically allow like uh, the older guys mm-hmm. like that weren't the BYUs of the world you know what yeah. I mean but it happens to be like Southern yeah. Virginia was one of those I remember um, I called them once and I was talking to one of the athletic director well the athletic director and then it was like his assistant actually ended up calling me back or whatever and she was saying that yeah they have like a JV program for their basketball team they do. Yeah. she was saying some 31 year, year old guy um, ended up trying out and he was playing he had college eligibility because he never went to school and yeah. there was some like weird thing that went behind it but she's like yeah we have a 31 year old um individual that's playing and um he's doing really well it's like their second tier team and he's like he he comes and he, he yeah. does his, his best so yeah at 21 years old you totally fit in just great here but <laughs> um anyways I, I definitely didn't go over there but i just remember that came up and then you said you played there in, in regards to eligibility we had this discussion a yeah. little earlier on eligibility so talk about your time at svu and then like you switched to it tried to switch to a school and there yeah. was no i want you to tell the the listeners about the eligibility issue from the NAIA down to Division One, how that all worked out for you? Yeah, so it's and it's a little, it's a little confusing. So hopefully I can, uh, hopefully I can uh, communicate it in a way that people can understand. So basically, uh, when you start full time um, in school academically, your athletic eligibility also starts. At least that's how it was when I was right in school playing. And so unfortunately. Uh, going into my freshman year of college, I had broken my leg and, uh, I wasn't able to train or stay in shape. So I figured I'd just take a year off and decide whether or not I really wanted to do anything, uh, as far as pursue athletics in college. So, uh, I took a year off and uh, unknowingly went to school full time and I ended up taking a scholarship at Southern Virginia university. Okay. And, uh, I waved my red shirt and I played as a true freshman. So my eligibility started in 2004, according to NCAA. So you have those five years. So four, five, six, seven, eight were my years that I was, uh, um, eligible to play. And so I played in 2005 at Southern Virginia university okay. the whole season. And then in 2006, I was injured. Uh, I took a nasty chop block from the outside in and, uh, and essentially by, by blew my knee out. So, um, I took that season off. So I was granted a medical red shirt that year. So I'd used one year of eligibility okay. by 2006. So NCAA says that I've already used three years, but in reality I've only played one because I was granted a medical red shirt. Yeah. God. So then I came back, I had surgery, uh, to fix my knee which um, I had a meniscal tear and a medial meniscal tear. And then um, I also had uh, like a partial tear in my MCL and then my ACL also had a partial tear. Do you have knees anymore? Not really. No? Okay. Yeah, I've had four knee surgeries. Dude. I have cadaver tissue. Yeah, I was supposed to have a knee replacement at 25. And they said if I could either do uh, de novo cartilage transplant 
um, essentially what I had was a dead knee. So like all of my cartilage was falling off from my patella, uh, from my patella into my joint. So it was rubbing and, and, and I don't have a meniscus or a medial meniscus in that knee anymore. So it was just causing a lot of discomfort. So they went in and they put plugs. Yeah. Cadaver tissue, 14 year old kid. Really? Yeah. Took, took stem cells from a 14 year old kid. That's all the information they gave me. Yeah. Oh $50,000 surgery. Crazy dude. I should have just got a fake knee because I, my knee still hurts. Um, back to eligibility though. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, injuries. I digress. <laughs> yeah. So, um, eligibility wise 2006 I, I had surgery and I was like I'm gonna walk on at Boise State so um, I went I did their camp this is right after the Fiesta Bowl and I went I did their camp I walked on they took me and a wide receiver out of like 90 people and I weighed 223 pounds and they picked me up as a defensive end oh really yeah at 223 I ran a 4740 um, and then I, I repped out at 225 23 times Holy like, cow. so I, they saw something in me. Right. So I met with coach Pete, blah, blah, blah. He set me up with all the other coaches. Um, and then he started, uh, and then they started getting me, um, situated as far as getting my paperwork in, in order to transfer over from SVU. So when they got my transcripts in, um, I forget his name now, Polynesian guy, uh, did, uh, he was the defensive coordinator at the time. He pulled me in and he sat me down and we had a chat about my eligibility. He said, this is the situation. He explained essentially what I had just explained to you guys and the listeners, um, that I had used three years of eligibility. They wanted to sit me out 2007 because I was a transfer. So uh, that uses, okay. so I've technically only played a freshman season of football, but I've used up all four years of that by 2007 so I only would have been able to play 2008 gotcha yeah and my extension because of a medical redshirt at NAIA put me to 2009 so in 2007 I would sit out at Boise State and then 2008 they probably wouldn't even play me and it would be considered my senior year of eligibility and I'd be like a backup maybe 245 pound defensive end you know after like my development over the next year right so um I sat down with the uh, the athletic director and whoever was in charge of eligibility at the time, and we went through all the six-year eligibility stuff. And because I'd already filed with NAI for my extension, there was a bunch of issues, and my transfer of credits didn't transfer over. So they only took like 28 credits of like, I want to say something like 60-something credits at the time. So I was like, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to play 2007, 2008, and 2009 instead of sitting out. 2007 yeah. 2008 and not even having an opportunity to play in 2009 so i i decided that i'd rather play instead of practice gotcha yeah so i went back and uh i finished up my eligibility i did okay i was all conference um i think i was an honorable mention all-american okay um i've got like a screenshot of that somewhere but yeah sure. they sent it to me <laughs> afterwards <laughs> yeah um it's a uscaa uh so united small college athletic association so it's a little bit smaller that's it's so like an cool independent, though. yeah. So I, I made, I made second team all conference my sophomore year, and then my sophomore year I was also honorable mention all American. Oh, okay, so yeah. it ended up turning out really well for you. Yeah, um, I had fun and I enjoyed it. See, that's that's what's. And my next question here, before we move to the next topic, though, is in a for a person like if you could sit down and, and talk to somebody who's you know wanting to play football but uh, they're not sure they're ready for the D one level, would you? suggest they go to a smaller school like yeah. that first okay 100 percent, man if you like football you're at the next level regardless okay 
and, and this is this is the thing that is difficult for a lot of people to understand is a lot of times when you go down to play smaller football, some of those guys went down to play smaller football so that they could actually play. And right. they are legitimate D1 athletes. Like we had guys that came on that would transfer out and play D1 all the time. Like from okay. our school, a lot of times they would go down and they play like one or two years because they don't feel comfortable playing D1. And then they move up, you know, they transfer out and they use their eligibility up. I got so you. I, I've met a lot of guys like that, especially like it's like junior college guys, you right. know, like they go down and they'll play a year or two knowing that they're like uh, developmentally like they're not at a D1 level, but like they have, you know, the skill sets to play at that level. They just need to be developed. Gotcha. You know? So um, but anybody who's thinking about playing football, if you like football, go play football, go I somewhere like and play football. Like it's an experience you'll never have. Like it's hard on your body, but um, but it's worth it, man. That's like so all cool. the sweat, all the just all the pain and suffering. The one thing I learned from football of anything that I've carried on with me, outside of like working with others, you know, um, and whatnot, is uh, knowing the difference between pain and injury. A hundred percent. Like I know my body football taught me so much about knowing my body about knowing when I'm actually in pain and when I'm actually just it's an injury and I need to get right. fixed um I don't know it's hard to describe that to somebody that's really cool though but it's something you really don't know unless you have to like really know your body like if you have to perform you know and you have to perform at a level where it makes you uncomfortable you know because you should be uncomfortable when you're training and when you're learning you need to feel uncomfortable um, because that means you're growing. Right. Yeah. So and you learn that through like your experiences with totally. that too. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. See, that's awesome. Know. And it's just the way you interpret things. I don't know. I interpret things differently, obviously, than other people. Some people might shrug it off and be like, no, don't go play football or no, don't get hurt. Well, do what you want to do because, you know, if you love something, it doesn't matter where you do it or how you do right. it. Just do what you love. You know? I like that, man. Yeah. So if you guys are listening in, Take that advice. Yeah. So after after football, you finish up football. Yeah. I know you have a little bit of boxing experience. Yeah. Because um, uh, I actually fought at the same gym as you, not the same time, but uh, I trained at the same same yeah. facility. Talk yeah. about your experience with uh, with boxing. Yeah, love boxing. Uh, I've got respect, uh, huge respect for the sport. Boxing's always intrigued me because I grew up with brothers and we used to punch each other and beat each other up. <laughs> Your brothers aren't small. Yeah, either. they're not small. No, I'm the right for sure. <laughs> um, and so for me, boxing, it's, it's uh, I, I guess it's eloquent. Um, yeah. I like the sweet science. I like- Me too. I like the pure, yeah, I like, I'm a purist. I think it's um, when somebody is extremely good, like exceptionally well at what they do, I only have admiration for that because it's like that's that's a level where not many people can put themselves at. Right. You know, um, as far as boxing goes, I'm talking like the elitists, of course. Right. But but those are who we look at, you know, for the sport. When you think boxing, you think like who are the names in boxing and how do they fight, you know. Um, so for me, it's a purist thing. I like anything that's a pure. Somebody who plays like piano, if they're really, really good at it, I, I have an appreciation for that. I respect Absolutely. that. That's a lot of time. You know, you people sacrifice to be at that level regardless of what they're doing, you know. Um, so, yeah, boxing. Um, I love it. I've been boxing since 2009, off and on. Um, I was riddled with some injuries for a few years. Um, so I trained out of Vistapal. 
okay. originally. So my first experience at Vista Pal, it's, uh, as you know, that club is very boxing. Yes. Yeah, very traditional. My first day boxing, uh, they throw me in there against a uh, a guy who had, in like a year or two previously, he took like bronze at the Worlds in Russia. Okay. And... Uh, his name's Alex Gonzalez, I think. Is it Alex Lopez? Lopez. The, ki- the, the, the coach's son. Yeah, Alex Lopez. We'll talk about Alex and just yeah. say, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, yeah, tell your story. Yeah. He's legit. He's a cool guy, and I I, I, I love all those coaches. Um, but, yeah, they threw me in against him, and uh, it was an experience. I was <laughs> like, all right, this is what real boxing is all about. Because I had gone from, like, being a football player, and I had trained a little bit in boxing – while I was playing football. Okay. Um, Because a lot of the guys, like a lot of Polynesian guys I played ball with, they were also boxers. And so I'd go in and spar with them and stuff. But um, but that's a little bit different than being thrown into a club with like people who like compete. Right. You know? And so, yeah, that was my my first experience. They threw me in there and uh, gave him a little bloody nose and he gave me a bloody lip and we had a little bit of fun. And uh, after that, I just kind of fell in love with it. Dude. Yeah. I totally understand um, with Alex specifically. Um, I was actually just talking to a good buddy of mine probably a month ago. His name's Brock. Yeah. You know Brock. He, yeah. He also fought there. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, we talked about Alex. Uh, my, they put me in the ring my second day. I mean, yeah. Usually, if anybody knows boxing, if you're training or any combat sport for that matter, they usually don't put you into the ring to spar for like three oh, wow. or four weeks yeah. at least. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, that particular club was very boxing. They threw yeah. you into the fire to weed out the week, yep. essentially. And yeah. they put me in with a guy named Humberto. And uh, Beto was a stud. He was At the time, I was 15, and he was 22. And he destroyed me. But then the next, <laughs> that was like the first time I got, but I loved it. Yeah. I got popped in the face, and I was like, it I didn't like go down. Good. Yeah, that's yeah. what people, people don't understand. It, like, it wakes you up. You're like, oh, damn. But you don't fall down. Like, yeah. I, I got I got hit. And like the, the Green Street Hooligans, there's like this quote the guy says, I think it's Elijah Wood who says, um, once you feel, realize you're not made of glass. Yeah. Like, and he says something about that. That's exactly how it was. Like, my first day in there, I got drilled really hard. Yeah. With, like, I was just kind of, you know, throwing some jabs out there. He hits me with a cross just straight. No, I'm sorry. It was a straight. Hits me with a straight right into my nose, yeah. pops my head back. And I'm like, I'm all right. Like, yeah. this is good. Okay. I can take yeah. a good hit from him. And then Alex, man, he was 13 at the time. And I was like, this is the hardest hitting 13 year old I have ever seen. Like people mm-hmm. don't realize that. I was like, I would take this kid in a fight at school mm-hmm. over anyone else. Like this kid is good. Like yeah. he was very good with uppercuts. He had a lot of like smooth rhythm to himself. Like he, like, I just was like, man, like it was just the flow of his fighting. I was yeah. like, dang, this kid's good. And then I heard like years later that he did, he went to, uh, like when I was on my mission, it was when he went over to like Russia or something and yeah. he was, he was killing it. Um, in all the national tournaments and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was like, dang it, that doesn't surprise me at all. But as he got older and grew into his body, he became a better and better fighter. So mm-hmm. glad you got to see him when he was actually really good. Cause yeah, I knew he was going to be something special when I first started yeah. fighting there. I was like, not just cause he's the coach's kid. Like he was good. Yeah. Really um, good. Man, I, I just saw them recently. I had a fight back in May. Talk about and, that. And um, yeah, it was my first fight back in, <clears throat> I want to say like, excuse me, like, my last fight was like in 2010 or 11. So, uh, and I took it on like a four day notice. I noticed that. I saw that. I was like, what is going on? (laughs) So this is, yeah, this was the story. So I, I, I wasn't even planning on, so I went back to Vista Pal. I trained for like, uh, another year or so. Um, well, anyways, I was, I was off and on all the way through. So total in the last like eight years, I probably trained for like five. Okay. And, uh, so I, 
I decided that I didn't want to do Vistapal anymore um, just because like the style of training and my knees. And so I figured I would try SBG Idaho because I knew that they were starting to work on more boxing and they're planning on getting like a boxing team together. Um, And with my nutritional supplement line and we cater more towards that style of training with our products. Uh, I figured it was probably the best bet as far as networking goes um, and training. So it was it was just a, a, a good option for me. Um, and I get in there. I'm there for like literally a week. And they require that you take foundational classes, which I think is very important. You, know, right. you need to know how to throw a punch before you take a punch. Um, and so they're like, well, you got to sit in. We know you have experience. You got to sit in on the foundations class for a few weeks and then we'll have to move you up. Well, they didn't even move me up to their cap class to spar. They like within a week, they were like, "Just come in and spar with us." We have guys coming up for fights, like Kyle Frost, oh, and really? a okay. couple other guys, like yeah. the pros and stuff, like people mm-hmm. who are like legitimate. They're like, "We need sparring partners, so come on in." They didn't allow sparring for people in foundations, but they made an exception, obviously, for like those who have had a little experience. Right. Came in, I sparred, and again, I realized I wasn't glass after the first couple punches with some of these guys. Because when you step into a ring with people who have, like, professional records, you know, or they've got, like, a, a many years' experience on you, you know, it's a little intimidating yeah, at first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're going to be a little bit shy and not want to take punches because you got to feel somebody out. But, I mean, within like within, like, 10 minutes, I felt super comfortable in there, not only because um, – because I I knew I could take a punch, but because I realized people weren't out there to take my head off. Right. You know, like, it's different. When I was at Vista, people were in there trying to make a name for themselves. They were trying to be an All-American every time they stepped yeah. in the ring. Where at SBG and combat, they have more of, like, more of, like, the mentality of we're not trying to, like, knock each other out. We're trying to work on things that we need to work on. So in the middle of sparring, you know, a lot of times I can call out and say, hey, man, I'm working on my left hook. So try to stay away from my left hook. And we'll work through it. But then they'll still give me a full sparring session. And right. they work with me. Where at Vista, it's like, they don't say anything. They're just like, go in there and try to go and, her out. Go yeah, do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is fine. It's totally fine. Because you learn how to take a punch. And you learn um, how to avoid punches when you're consistently getting punched. But it's a different way to learn. And yeah. I... I thrive a little bit more with somebody working with me instead of somebody just beating my ass until I absolutely yeah um but yeah I took a fight in May took it on a four-day notice um I went in it was a 25 bout card I was about 24 of 25 yeah we hammered it out for three rounds um and uh I won by split decision and I wasn't even in great shape I told him at first I was like hey I haven't really trained for a fight like maybe give me six months before I take another fight um, but since they found it, I was like, eh, I can make six minutes. And I did. So, um, it was a great experience. And then after that, um, I've just, I continue to train there. Uh, I've had a serious bout of tendonitis in my arm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So for the last month I've been rehabbing this arm. Um, I was supposed to have a fight in the beginning of October oh, okay. and, um, the guy they found was 230 pounds and he had like 30 or 40 like amateur fights. And I was like, nah, I don't know. I weigh 190. <laughs> yeah. I'm not finding a guy who weighs 230. Sorry. Yeah. People don't realize how much the weight actually makes a difference. Oh, huge difference. I got dude. smoked my last fight. It was for the Bronco belt when I was fighting yeah. for Boise State's club team, which yeah. was another Golden Gloves uh, club. It was the Albero Boxing Club. But anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got smoked. The guy was 28 years old. I was 18 years old at the time. And uh, he outweighed me by 25 pounds and he cut to yeah. make it within the weight range because in the amateurs, it doesn't have to be exact. Right, but it, it can six, be within. I think it's like a five or six pound buffer. Well, at the time like it was actually, um, I think it was fifteen pounds is the buffer. Whoa. So, but we were thirteen pounds away when we weighed in, which yeah. is fine. We got within, but like 
he naturally wasn't 13 pounds. Yeah. He was like 20, 25, 26 pounds heavier than me. And dude, I can tell you right now, like when they're heavier, you can tell they're like, they're, it's a major difference. People yeah. don't realize that it's, it, you can, the right hand is a little bit, a little bit heavier when they're hitting yeah. you when they're 25 pounds yeah. <laughs> above uh, you. Totally. Golf. Totally. Yeah. And I, that's, I always think about that when I'm sparring with guys who weigh like 170 pounds right. or 165 pounds. Cause I'm like, they're, they're what's, what purpose is there for me to just like tag these guys Tee off on yeah, them? Yeah, dude, and throw haymakers. <laughs> Nothing. It doesn't prove anything. You exactly. Know? Um, and so that's uh, that's the mentality that SBG Idaho has: is why try to knock somebody out? It's it doesn't help anybody. That's um, so cool. They're, yeah. So they're helping everybody get better and focus yeah. on their weaknesses, yeah. essentially, right? Yeah, and it shows, man. They produce some ridiculously great fighters. Like some of the guys who come out of that club, like Front Street fights, obviously pulls a lot of these fighters out of SBG Idaho because they're, they're disciplined. Um, and they're very professional in the way that they handle themselves both inside and outside the ring. Right. Um, at least to my knowledge and my experience with a lot of the guys that I come in contact with. So it's been a, a very good overall, I'm, I'm over here putting a plug in for SBG. That's Idaho, what we, but, that's, that's perfectly <laughs> but fine. But I mean, but I mean, it's all true and I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. Um, but yeah, and then um, I was supposed to have a fight actually this coming weekend. Okay, um, but they never they haven't found me a fight, and because of my arm, I said sign me up if you guys find a guy, and I'll fight on like a day's notice because I'm in shape to fight, but I can't train with my arm. I can fight on this arm, but I can't train on it. Right. You know. So Eesh. yeah, it's kind of a bummer. It is bad. I've never had tendonitis. I've had some serious injuries, like I've had probably. Tw- I don't know. I've had 13 surgeries and I've had multiple surgeries on like bones issues and, uh, I've never had anything as painful as tendonitis. Dang, dude. I couldn't, dude, I couldn't raise my arm for like three weeks, man. Like it's crazy. I don't know if you've ever had tendonitis. I haven't had it like not, especially not in my arm. I don't even, that sucks. Terrible. I didn't (laughs) even know what it was at first. I was like, Oh, I'll just keep grinding it out. And I kept training on it thinking it was just like a knot or something. And it just compounded. got worse. Dang, dude. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's my boxing. And I think I think before you would ask me why I liked boxing with like MMA fighters or something uh-huh. like that. What was the question again? Well, I was just I was just wondering about your boxing experience because I wanted to get into your to like your training and you you have been training with your MMA guys over yeah. there, right? Yeah. Um just kind of getting to know people and one of whom happens to be a sponsored athlete for your nutrition line, correct? Yeah. yeah. Um and let's let's talk about that for a second. I want I want you to talk. We got seven minutes. Yeah. And I want you to basically talk about what you got going on. Like yeah. so you've been boxing all these things in sports. You've you've learned so much. You are meeting all these people, networking with all these like you said, yeah. you went and fought and you networked because that's where your line's like geared towards. Yeah. Let's talk about like your sports nutrition line, your sponsored athlete what is this going on? Yeah, we've actually got three sponsored athletes. Okay. Um, three amazing sponsored athletes. I, I, I'm very impressed with who've been able to, to uh, get on our team so far. Um, but it, it doesn't surprise me because I do believe in our product and, uh, I believe that like our business model is, uh, is one that people can get behind. Right. So, um, we have Matt Jones, uh, the stripling warrior, he's six and two, he fights out of team elevation. Um, he's also my co-host on the pro edge podcast. Nice. Um, yeah. So, uh, be looking out for some of the stuff that he hosts. He's pulling on some really good talent. Um, uh, and we gonna talk about that in a second, but Matt Jones fighting for the featherweight title six and two. He had a stunning, um, spinning back, back elbow, elbow went dude, viral, man, dude, everywhere. He is a beast, dude. He is like, he, he's 
unreal. The guy, he trains at like a level I've never seen before, man. I mean, if you look at his body, he is like a specimen. Like, yeah. It's, it's unreal. It just shows in his performance and just the way you he looks. You can tell he yeah. puts work in. Yeah. And just when I talk to him, I've known him for a long time. And when I talk to him, I, I can tell that like his soul is literally in that case. Like he, he has put everything that he has into like training for that. Like that's, and you can tell that. So, um, I, I see this guy going far for sure, which is why I want him around me. Right. No, for <laughs> right? sure. I got yeah, you. Yeah, totally. He's going to make me a better person. Um, and then we also have, um, Kyle Frost making his pro debut. This guy is called the beast. Uh, and he is the beast. He's four and oh, as an amateur, uh, three knockouts in the first round. And I think one guy made it to the second. I have, I'm not really sure. I think his last fight, somebody made it to the second. Um, submission. So he's making his pro debut. Um, that'll be cool. And then we have a third fighter. Her name's Jesse Jess. She fights out of Invicta. Okay. Um, she's a three-time WMMA uh, Australian national champion for women's MMA. Okay. So uh, she has a fight scheduled here in Brazil for Invicta, which is a women's. It's where like Kat Zingano and like mm-hmm. a lot of the women's fighters for UFC come up. It's like a farm system, um, like a farm league forum, I guess. Um, and then, uh, that's it for our fighters. Um, and then our good fighters. Yeah. They're, they kill it, man. We, we've been fortunate enough to, to have them on board. Like, and they're just cool people in general. Uh, and then we've got our podcast, which is a separate brand, um, under the same name, but it's a separate business. And, uh, it's a general format podcast. I, I would consider myself main, probably the main host just because okay. uh, the studio is at my house and right. I probably sit in on everything. You have I'm a dope setup. I Thank love you. it. Dude. We yeah. were talking about that earlier, man. Yeah. You have a dope setup. Thank dude. You. You've done a lot of good work getting that thing ready. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I'll have to have you in. We'll, we'll, I, I will have you in. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have you in whenever you're available and we'll bring other people on or uh, – or just be me and you. We'll sit down and chit chat about you next time. Dude, whatever works, man. I'm, yeah. I'm happy. So, what do you guys talk fun. about on this podcast? He says general so, format. So, what are you guys talking? We got about? so much stuff. So, um, I, we've got like a hypnotherapist coming on to talk about hypnotherapy. Okay. Yeah, we've got like an entomologist who wants to come on and talk about bugs in Idaho. Um, he's a professor up at University of Idaho. Um, one of my good friends growing up. Um, we've I've talked to uh the Sector 17 graffiti crew. They're the guys who um. They're the guys who uh, paint up the Table Rock okay. buildings with yep. all the graffiti, and they did the skate park downtown, um, and a lot of like the electrical boxes around town. We've got the guy who created Sue Plays who wants to come in, um, which is like a training regimen for uh, you know combative athletes. Okay, uh, we I, so many. We've got between scientists, and professional athletes. We're trying to get a couple guys on um, if we can network through to the UFC, just because yeah. Matt works out and trains at team elevation uh in in denver so yeah we've got a woman police officer from boise police coming in okay yeah we're trying to get like unique people who have positions either that you know they're like uh, specialists in their field right um or people who are in a position that will make a very um interesting conversation like a, a woman bpd like yeah what does a woman police officer have to do like what does she have to deal with in boise Idaho? you know stuff like that yeah. just have people come on and talk um about what they do yeah so that's so cool. more guests uh, off the top of my head i i can't really think of any more but we've probably got like 10 lined up oh hip-hop producer coming on i want to get john wayne on there nice. uh, shout out to john wayne yeah he's got he's got some amazing music he's produced a lot of music um more people just keep an eye out 
where can we find this podcast when it, when so, it starts going? Yeah, right now we're working on our streaming setup. So um, we're going to have it available to stream both video and audio. Okay. Um, when our Pro Edge Nutrition website launches, we'll also have a dedicated page just to the podcast to redirect nice. to our actual podcast page, our YouTube stuff. Um, and then uh, we, have, we also have uh, an Instagram and a Facebook um, underneath Pro Edge Nutrition and then Pro Edge Podcast also. Okay. Um, and then on the Instagram, it's all under Pro Edge Nutrition right now. We haven't set up our Instagram for the podcast yet. Okay. But it will be set up soon. So it'll be separate from the Pro Edge Nutrition. Yeah. They're, they're completely different entities. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, in regards to, before we get to the Guru's Gauntlet section, I want to talk yeah. about your Pro Edge Nutrition. Like, do you have any information on what this is? Because we've referenced Pro Edge Nutrition. Yeah. yeah. Referenced your supplement company. What what is it like? What do we got? Yeah, so unique products. Um, and I've got an endurance formula right now. I've got two products okay. that are available, uh, and then I have three down the pipeline. <clears throat> um, so the two that are available right now is I have a stimulant free volumizer, uh, and it's it's ten grams of just pure volume. So you're getting and everything in my product. There's zero filler. Okay. Um, and you're getting whatever clinical research dosage. Um, there's like any research on that particular ingredient, I have that dose. Okay. So I, I try to back up my information with like clinical research. So um, I have a volumizer that's got like your whole array of your citrulline. You've got your AAKG, you've got your citrulline, and uh, you've also got your agmatine sulfate. Yes. So you're getting your volumizer, you're getting, you know, your precursor and everything like that. So uh, I've got a full serving of glutamine to help uptake uh, your aminos in your uh, small intestine. Okay. And then um, I've got a full serving of creatinyl phosphate, which is kind of like an intracellular buffer. So it's going to lower your pH levels in your lactic acid so that you're able to output um, a little bit uh, more muscular endurance, if that makes nice. any sense. Yeah. yeah. So when your body, basically when your body starts to slow down, like when you're hitting like that last rep and you're getting tired, this is your body saying, yeah, you're going to hurt yourself. And it's outputting a lot of lactic acid, try to, like stop you from injuring yourself right and so because i took out the stimulant in my volumizer i needed something um i needed something to kind of replace that and right so if i if i took that out somebody who's training like a strength training is going to need a little more muscular endurance so there's that um and that's what i've got yeah that's okay. it that's basic man super like basic it. yeah and then i have an endurance blend this has been popping off in uh especially with like a lot of the, the athletes who are training for their upcoming fights. Um, it's, uh, we call it fuel. It's, it's 20 grams of carbs. Okay. Um, and then you're also getting, um, you're getting your beta alanine, you're getting a dicreatine malate, which, um, everything, if you research all these ingredients, they all work very well with, together. So like a dicreatine malate with like a carb is going to increase your endurance levels with that carb, your body's ability to like break it down and metabolize it and utilize it as energy. Okay. So, um, and the carbs are going to give you a lot of these fighters, a lot of people who train like cyclists and swimmers, they're not training on a full stomach, you know? Right. So they need a little bit of something other than a bunch of like fumes essentially, yeah. which is caffeine is. Um, and then I've got phenylethylamine. So this is the endurance blend. So I've got a full serving of phenylethylamine. Okay. So you're getting uh, 500 milligrams of that. 100 milligrams caffeine, which is an activator for phenylethylamine. Okay. Um, and it's also an activator for B12. We're given uh, 333% of B12. It's water soluble, so you can't really absorb more than that. Um, and then um, we've got taurine, which is a vasodilator and also natural energy. So Sick. Yeah. So, so what you're getting in our endurance blend is an adrenaline rush. Nice. Which is awesome. Um, 
I've had so many different athletes try it. And every time they get back to me, they're like, dude, this is like probably one of the best workouts I ever had. I've got like people training one in two hours. They don't crash. They don't have any issues with stomach problems. They don't have headaches. Like I, nobody's reporting any side effects, nothing. So I'm very confident that my product will take, take off through that outlet. Nice. Yeah. I've got a distributor who owns a few gyms in Vegas. Who's really interested in it. I'm working with a couple universities on their football programs. Nice. Um, I've been kind of keeping it quiet just because it's, you know, we're, they're trying to budget in what they can afford everything between like in pre intra post workout. Um, and then I, down the pipeline, I've also got a hydration blend. So it's like a coconut powder, um, blend with some other things in there. And then I've also got a nighttime formula. Um, and then I've got like a post, uh, like a post workout formula. So I'm liking it. So basically all your products, efficacious dosages, dose efficacious doses, what yeah. am I saying? One of those things. Doses. Yeah, doses. you're right. Yeah, you're um, right. I don't even know. So, I don't even know what that first word means, but it sounds cool. It's like clinical dosages. Oh, dose, whatever. Efficacious. Eff- efficacious. Um, yeah. So it looks like all your products are pretty clean. Everything's good. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing your podcast when it starts going and everybody yeah. gets it. So if, if you guys are listening, make sure to check that out. The Pro Edge. So is, is it Pro Edge Nutrition Podcast? Pro Edge Podcast. Like yeah, Pro Edge Podcast and then Pro Edge Nutrition. Okay, so Pro yeah. Edge is like the Pro Edge. Yeah, okay. we're working on a trademark on Pro Edge. Okay, yeah, cool, mm-hmm. awesome, man. So to finish up, Tim, we're gonna go ahead and do the Guru's Gauntlet. Yeah, I got a couple questions for you. You don't have time to even think about the answer. You just gotta spit them out. It's just gonna be some really quick questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. MMA or boxing? Which one do you prefer? Boxing. Okay. Had my other question <laughs> right here. I, did, I was, I was. I, that was on the tip of my tongue. That's an enemy question. Boom. I All love right. MMA, but I love. I'm. I my love is for boxing. I love it, man. Yeah. Um, skateboarder. Who's the best skateboarder that you've you've ever seen? Favorite skateboarder. Uh, Eric. Uh, shoot. Um, uh, Eric Costin. That's okay. the one I was. Yeah. Eric I love Costin. Eric Costin. Ah, he flows. Was he on Tony Hawk? Ski, he, pro uh, skater. Yeah. He rode for S for a long time Kay. back in the day. Yeah. I remember. I remember. Okay. And then, who's your favorite podcast? Like, to, who's your favorite podcaster that you uh, listen to? Oh, that's a tough one. Rogan. And, okay. and I only say that just because he's the, probably the most recent one I've listened to. But I've really been getting into, like, Parcast podcast. Okay. And they do, like, cults and serial killers. And they, they also... Um, and then there's one I'm listening to called Locked Up Abroad that people talk about their stories about getting kidnapped by like drug dealers and it's cool. Yeah, what a great some, way to end the show today on a dark <laughs> note. I love it. So Parcast is that what you said? Park. Yeah, Park Parcast podcast. They do they do a bunch of stuff like cults and zero. They do a bunch of like documentary style. Dude, yeah, right. okay, they're really interesting. I'll have to listen to them. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you tuning in and uh, coming yeah. in for the for the podcast today, Tim. This has been fun talking with you here in this little studio. It. It's, it's a good time. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll connect in the future as well. Oh, we and will. We'll we do will some connect. some more shows and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for you guys out there, make sure to follow the the show. Go to iTunes. Make sure you give me a review. Subscribe to the podcast, and uh, hopefully, you guys can see Tim's podcast coming out here shortly. This is the Game Time Guru. We'll talk to you next week.